Hello and welcome to Plot Trace. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Wild Oats by Pamela Morsey. This was published in 1993 and is the first book in the Territory Triss series. I will say that I had no idea when I was reading the book that this was a 90s romance. And it doesn't read like one. It all. No. I saw that in your notes and I was shocked. Yes. When I found out that it was a 90s romance, like, I liked this book, and then when I found it was published in the 90s, it automatically got like 10 more points because I was like, oh wait, like this is really good for a 90s romance. Consent is a driving part of the plot mm -hmm. and not in a way like she was once taken without no. consent. Like he's just ridiculously respectful in a way that I would not have expected of the era and was so impressed by, it's even if it had been written today. Yes! Yes. Uh, so good. Okay. So good. <laughs> so let's just dive right into the book jacket. Okay. Territory bachelor Jedwin Sparrow was merely hoping to sow some wild oats, and from what he'd heard, a logical place to start might be the cottage of Mrs. Cora Briggs, a notorious divorcee. Cora's first instinct was to slap his face. Then a better plan occurred to her. Why not call the tune and string him along? What better way to exact revenge on those gossipy hens than to ensnare one of their own in that wicked web of lies? An unexpected love story to people who discover the truth about themselves within the heart of each other. Pamela Morsey brings to life a small town America of a bygone era with endearing realistic characters and a special brand of humor that touches the heart. I hate this book jacket. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Okay, first of all, the worst thing about this book is the number of time characters you the phrase wild oats <laughs> no questions asked uh second of all the tone of this is totally different from the tone of the book oh yeah totally and i hate it when romance novel book jackets have the the author's name does this with the craft like, focus on the characters please I anyway know. i feel like my criticism of this book jacket might make you think i did not like this book wrong this book was fun this book jacket is garbage this book jacket is pretty bad if i had just read the book jacket i would never have picked this book ever up. that is I've, like, the nice thing about Kindle nowadays, in some ways, is that I'm not exposed to the cover yes. bias. Yes. And I, I, I just really like that I don't have to read... Uh, I definitely would not have picked this up to read a, uh, something that brings to life small-town America of a bygone era. Yeah, like, no. Uh -uh. Oh, my God. Garbage can. Immediately. I mean, it kind of does, but not in that way. There's an implication yes. to that sentence that it's like sort of espousing conservative mores yes, in a way exactly. that this book completely rejects. Absolutely. Why the subtext of that jacket does not match the book at all. Yeah. All right, so luckily for you, dear listener, as usual, we generated a random number and then based our summaries on that random number. So this week's random number was 43. And my summary is, romp in olden times Oklahoma between a balding undertaker and an orphan divorcee. Both are more appealing than their descriptions. Freak precursor to goop makes the whole town like her again, plus the good opinion of a man. Oklahoma was stuck in my head. <laughs> There you go. I mean, this this already, you get a little bit more sense of the characters. Here's my summary. Dear plot trysts, I'm a divorcee in a small, early 20th century Oklahoma town. Since my divorce, I've lived a restrained, conventional life to avoid gossip. But everyone gossips anyway. Would it be wrong of me to embrace my reputation and take a younger lover? Girl, do it. <laughs> Girl, do it. Dear divorcee in Oklahoma, Get that. 
<laughs> Thank you. Okay, I will read this book. <laughs> so the plot is actually really simple here. Cora mm -hmm. was married straight out of the orphanage as a teenager. Yep. To the prominent son of a local prominent widow. Right. And after two-ish years of marriage, they had a divorce based on incompatibility. Yep. But the old biddies of the town, led by her ex-husband's mother, spread awful rumors about her as a loose woman. Yep. Um, and basically ran her out of town, except that she wouldn't leave. Yeah. So she stopped coming to social functions. She stopped going shopping when people are present. She stopped appearing at the church. She sort of keeps to herself. But she's ultimately stayed in the house. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically, that's all That's all she owns in this world is is this house that he granted her in the divorce. Right. So, by contrast, her paramour and, deep breath L, Jedwin. <laughs> his name is Jedwin. Actually, his name is James Edwin. But he goes by Jedwin. Jedwin. And, of course, every time you read it, you don't think Jedwin. You think Jedwin. I hated it so. Like, <laughs> better names are important people. So, Cora is, like, 29, by the way. It's been, like, 10 years since her divorce. Yes. Jedwin is 24. Yep. He is the town undertaker. He regularly rubs an onion on his head because that's, I guess, an anti-balding remedy? Because he, he is, sadly, already going bald at 24. And he has... He is the town undertaker, but he hates undertaking. Mm -hmm. So he's hired an embalmer to do that part of the business, though he still kind of is the funeral director for the town. He has an overbearing mama. Yep. So, trope. Trope one. One. Uh, and he's never had a woman. Yeah. Trope two. And so, he sort of is talking to his undertaker, who's sort of become a father figure to him since yeah. his father's passing. And the guy sort of says, you know, there are ways you can sow some wild oats. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> uh, without marriage. Without using brothels where you are likely to catch your death of venereal yeah. disease. And so, based on Cora's false reputation, he decides to make an overture, but he mm -hmm. does so by pointing out how obviously poor she is. Yep. And then being real explicit immediately about the fact that he would like to take her to bed now. Yeah. So he goes over. I mean, he's like super nervous. Oh, God. Like cripplingly nervous. I, guys, the, I don't know how we can describe this in the way that it's written because it is actually very charming yes. and it does not sound like it's very charming the way you know yeah but so basically he makes overtures and she is gonna kick him out of her house yeah she's gonna say absolutely not like you when she thinks she has a second thought and she thinks you know what would stick it to those old biddies if I, if I corrupted their, like, the, the flower of their town. Like, Jedwin is, like, the most eligible bachelor in town, basically. Yeah. And so even though he and his mother are not quite A-plus society, he yeah. is very well-liked, respected, and known. And so she isn't quite sure if she's planning on sleeping with him or actually corrupting him, but just by having him caught at her house, mm -hmm. it will be corrupting him. Exactly. So she decides to let him romance her. Yeah. She says, look, you're going about this all wrong, Jedwin. Women don't want you to come in and basically say, hey, I'll give you money to sleep with you. Yes. Right? Women want flowers, poetry, things like that. And so Jedwin... He's like, you know what? I'll try this. We'll do it. We'll do it your way. So this book gets real cheesy. And it does. Oh, it is super cheesy. 
but it would sometimes veered too much for me. Sure. It did give me a toothache a little bit. He starts trying to write her poetry. Yeah. It is awful. It's it real gets bad. progressively less bad, but that is to say it is a negative 50 and it's works its way up to a negative 40. Like yeah. It's never it's never good. good. Um, and that's, it was cute, but it was too much for yeah. me. Just my taste. Sure. It, was, it was well done. Sure. Um, but so he starts making romantic gestures, but he figures out very quickly that for a woman like her, the most romantic thing he can do is fix her fence. Yeah. And let's be honest, like, that's really hot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. She, like, watches him from her bedroom window while he, like, works all through the night. And uh -huh. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is hot. I'm not, you know? Yeah, Cora, I, I, see, I see how he got you there. So Cora is... Uh, exceedingly well written for 1993 but a bit of a trope come to life okay. she's a tragic orphan mm -hmm. she was trapped in a marriage that was filled with lies and ultimately had to end it she's the like tainted woman from another town who's not quite accepted mm -hmm. she you know is bookish yeah she reads self-help books and like <laughs> is interested in philosophy of the body and spirit and yes. like I think I've seen elements of that character quite a bit. Sure. I think Jedwin's a little more unique. I think he is. I would say so. I mean, he's got the overbearing mama. Yes. But he's trapped in a profession he hates. Yes. He, but handles it with dignity. Yes. He also... So, okay. I'm going to say if you like love an alpha hero, he's probably not the hero for you. No, not at all. What Jedwin does, what he wants to do, his goal in life is to be a flower farmer. And he inherited a farm from his mother's mother. The mortuary business was his father's. Right. But his mother feels like being a farmer's daughter was an undignified upbringing and her father was a good for nothing. And mm -hmm. so it, the thought of her son following in her father's footsteps mortifies her. Right. So Amelia is Amelia Sparrow. She is... Also, a, she's like the major social climber of the town, is what yes. I would say. So she was beautiful. She was a beautiful um, pig farmer's daughter, and she's still only like forty. Yeah, yeah. She was a beautiful pig farmer's daughter. She married. Um, she married above her station. She married the town undertaker, who was like three times her age. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't want to slide back down, basically. And you so know. she relies on her son to keep their social standing. Mm -hmm. That said, while she is the trope of an overbearing mother, she is not a one-dimensional character. This is something that I just really, really liked about this book. I agree. She was a highlight. Yes. She was great. The Undertaker was really good. Both Cora and Jedwin, I thought, rose above their tropes. Yes. Uh, there were some rare missteps, I would say. But Agreed. in general, oh, like even the reverend in town for example um they they could have been written as these just caricatures of hidebound conservative oklahoma town you know what i mean but they ended up being actual characters who yes had flaws and yes perhaps acted in ways that they shouldn't have acted but were able to learn from their mistakes and change i really liked that a lot that they there wasn't like a villain in the book there were people who mistakenly did some bad things, basically. Yeah, and there were some times that I thought really bad behavior wasn't given. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, I do see that. The import, but I agree. Nobody was really one-directional. Directional. <laughs> Nobody was really one-dimensional. Except potentially the town matriarch. Yes. But even she got some moments some. of wider humanity. 
Uh, but anyway, I, I really liked that about this book. It's something that I like in general about about books in general. <laughs> so, of course, well, I like it before, here. before, like, well-developed characters mm -hmm. and well-developed secondary characters are a yeah. real selling point for us. Yeah, but I, I especially like when the villain has some kind of motivation or understandable motivation for what they do. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, so I, I thought that was really good. So, the, of course, there is the age gap. So she's 29, he's 25. Yeah, and she treats it like it's bigger than it is. Yeah, I mean, I think if we're if we're thinking about the historical, you know, context, I think it would have been kind of a bigger deal than we would think of it as being. Sure. I don't know enough about cultural norms in the Oklahoma Territory mm -hmm. to know, like, what age men usually got married right. versus to what age women usually got married. Um I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not sure yeah. like what the norms would have been to know how outside the norms it would have been. But I will say the thought, the way she kept referring to him as young Jedwin. Yeah. First of all, I can't handle Jedwin like yeah. at all. But second, like he's balding, which was an interesting trait to give Arona Takiro. So I like didn't hate it yeah. from that perspective because yeah. I thought it was more well, and he intriguing. Was, and than... he was very um, insecure about it. Yeah, I don't know. Like he's very good looking. He was this very good looking young man. Like like I said, he is like the eligible bachelor of town. And his mom was the great beauty. Like right. he's hot. He's very good looking. You know, he, he works his farm, so he's got some muscles on him. And he's balding. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It, it just was But it, I just found it interesting this twenty nine year old woman thinking of this balding, strapping, like, adult-looking man as young yeah. Jedwin. Well, and maybe it was because her husband was much older than her. Maybe. Like, no, that's what I just don't yeah. know if it's, like, a circumstantial thing for her or a societal thing. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, and also, I think we've seen this one a couple of times, especially when it comes to quote-unquote fallen women. The rumors aren't true. Yeah, of course. Of course. And she is keeping them, allowing the rumors to continue to proliferate. She has a reason. Honor and respect for the man who wronged her. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think mean, we'll, we, we've seen that several times Oh, over. so many times. And sometimes it gets a little annoying. I, I, I think it was annoying here, but it could have been worse. Definitely. So... I found the setting really refreshing after so many British regencies. Here's my only beef with the setting. Yeah. Okay. The clothes suck. <laughs> Look, I am 100% in agreement with you. I agree so bad. I want a when guy you, with a cravat. When you talk about an escapist fantasy, the fact that she's in these like shapeless flannel gowns and he's in like long oh, underwear God, and overalls, I'm like, no, 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 no. Take like, I need a little bit of costume porn. I look. That this cannot deliver inherently. Like, it would have been inauthentic. It would have been historically inaccurate. I get it. Like. I know. Look, Lane, that was the one thing. I reference it later. Oh. <laughs> We're so easy. Uh-huh. I, I do. I do. It's in my notes a little bit a little further down. But, but yeah, I agree with the clothes. Other than that... I really, really liked It was nice setting. that they were normal people yeah. and that we were talking about small town, not high society gossip. Like, it does change the nature of yeah. the inter internal dynamics in a yeah. way that was refreshing, sure. Yeah. I just, like, could we have gotten one scene where she really had to dress up? <laughs> I know, I know. I know. It was, I just was bored of their clothes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the clothes are definitely boring. Okay. But... Uh, 
I think that if you're if you're thinking, ugh, just another book where they're in a gambling hell, or another book where there's going to be a duel or whatever, like this is a good antidote. Yeah, no duels, right? And it'll. I think it will maybe reset it, what it did for me. So I read this book, and then I read like a million other Pamela Morrissey's because I really liked. I, I liked this book enough that I thought, oh well, I'll read her other books, and they were all in Kindle Unlimited. So I was like, I'll read them. And going through that, that little, you know, week long phase where I just read these American set historicals reset it for me. And I was like, okay, now I can go back and read myself a good old, you know, Duke. <laughs> I told Megan, this is not like a criticism of Pamela Morrissey at all. What I'm in the mood for right now is crazy lighthearted. Yeah. Really sexy. Like, maybe even one dimension. Like, I am fine with a book lacking in substance that is just, like, fluffy right now. So, so basically, you want... Well, I, would, I don't want to say lacking in substance because Tessa Dare is not lacking no, no, in no. substance. No, no, no. But... I want something that I can, like, guarantee you is not going to make me think too hard and yeah. will have regular sexy interludes. And so while I really enjoyed this, I don't think I'm in a headspace where this is what I want to pick up right yeah. now. Yeah, but if, if you are thinking, oh, that sounds really cool. It's well, great. It's like, a great place No to knock on this at all. Just, and we'll get to this in sexiness, it wasn't quite yeah. the, like, fluff-tastic. Yeah. Like, there were too many other characters. His mother had yeah. too much personal development. Yes. Like, I know! God, <laughs> like, damn it! Like, the, <laughs> literally, the, there, were, there was too much about, like, small-town society reforming their thinking that I would usually be totally here for. Yeah. It was just, like, too real yeah. for my brain right now. Sorry. Uh, so let's move on to offensiveness... I mean, okay, so we're talking about, like, the American westward expansion, and while there's lip service paid to minorities, yeah, that's what, it, it's lip service. It's lip service. I, I'm, I will say, this is not a typical western romance, so you're not going to have a cowboy falling in love with a Native American woman in this terrible, problematic way, so it's not that no. at all, you're not going to have that, um... I will say that the characters are not racist, um, that the, and that I will say that the author, you can tell that the author is condemning racism. Yes. Um, but I would say it's condemning individual racism. Not and systemic, not systemic issues. And right. I get it. I'm not saying I want every romance novel to take a stance on yeah. like historic injustice. That said, yeah. it is just lip service. Yeah. And I like I kinda would have liked there being yeah. a little bit more author insight to the systemic stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's definitely easier for us, I think, to overlook that when you're reading a historical set in England, mm -hmm. for example. Maybe because it's just not as personal for us. Right? Right. Like I loved we keep going back to this book. I loved the truth about love and dukes because it did acknowledge the class differences and things like that but no i don't need that in every single one of my mm -hmm. regencies that i'm going to read well yeah i just think it's 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 so removed from our reality we're like i'm informed of enough of american history to know what erasure yes, it is exactly in a way that i'm not of the regency period so exactly. i get exactly worry less about it exactly that's that's where i'm going here yeah so that's exactly what i meant so thank no, you yeah. thank you lane for explaining summarizing no i was just like reiterating what you already Perfect. said <laughs> um okay so there was a non-consensual tooth removal <laughs> Between two people who were sexually attracted to each other but resisting it. Yeah, so... so it was like a sexual tooth removal. It was like removal. a sexy tooth removal, but also gross. It was really kind of grody. I did not like the scene. No, it was 
there, this is one of the things I did not like about this book. Once again, the, I think the author did a good job. There's a lot of description of embalming, yeah. of a typhoid epidemic, yes. of abscess tooth removal that, like, we're talking about cut into this part of the arm and exposed this vein and inserted the needle and, like, it was explicit mm -hmm. in that anatomical terms were used in a medical context. And I'm with you. Like, yeah. you want to know what is going to remove the sexiness of a situation from me? Um, the guy thinking about the time he embalmed his dad. Right? Yeah. yeah. That was just... I could have done without that. Yeah. In an ideal world, while it was well explained, you know what I don't want in my sexy book? Tell me. Uh, embalming. Yeah, that's fair. I also, <laughs> you know, honestly, Tooth could removal. take out all dentistry. Yeah, dentistry. The descriptions of the typhoid throats. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could take that out, too. So, it's. I think it was probably very well researched. Yeah. I just didn't need it. Yeah. So, personal uh, preference. And, and that's the thing. This is inoffensiveness. It probably wasn't really all that offensive, but something to be aware of if you're reading this book. Yeah. Honestly, I would say it put less of the warning of non-consensual molar removal and more <laughs> the trigger warning of if you're not into even descriptions of needles or yeah. medical procedures this yeah. or dead bodies. Like, yeah. this book actually has a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, so this is, my trigger is always violence. It's not violent at all. There's no real violence in this book, but there are, I mean, he's an undertaker, so he has to deal with dead people. But there are plenty of romance novels where the person has a job and you don't really see the job. You really see... Yeah. Well, but that's because he actually has a job, and all the other romances we read, they're just dukes. I'm like, what is that? They are dukes, Meg. <laughs> so maybe what you're seeing is a description of their job. Dukes. That's fair enough. Okay. Um, okay. Okay, so here is... It's a spoilery one, but I think yeah. we need to talk about it. Yeah, so uh, again, skip forward uh, probably four or five minutes. Yeah, that's If you good. don't want to hear about it. So, of course, they're, of course Cora and Jedwin fall in love. And he, but neither they both put off the obvious for way too long. Of course, she's divorced, not like a fallen person. Yeah, uh, he proposes, and basically she wants to turn him down uh, because she doesn't want him to ruin his status in society over her. And so he just doesn't believe that she doesn't want to marry him. So she, of course, comes up with the most harebrained, stupidest idea, so inoffensive. And, I mean, I wrote this as a real romance trope misstep. Yep. So this is a definite romance trope. You're it gonna is. You're going to find this in romance novels. I don't think Lane and I have ever liked this, ever written anywhere in any romance novel. Basically, she propositions another man. On the grounds that the only thing that would make him believe she wasn't marriageable was to have cheating him. on him. Yes, to, and and he's got an actually actually has to cheat on him. He's got to catch her in the act, basically. Yeah. So she propositions another man who had previously hit on her in a very yes. creepy way that she dismissed. Yeah. Without much thought, much to my disappointment. Exactly. Exactly. The whole way that her relationship with this guy was handled, yeah. I did not love. But the fact that she goes to his office and propositions him. Yeah afterwards yeah. upset me and then it was also wrapped up with a neat little bow where like he decides he doesn't want to go through yeah. it I wish I just didn't it could have yeah. done without that the whole thing I, I wish it had been cut out of the book it just Same. was it was unnecessary and really brought for me the highlight of this book was the relationship mm. between Jedwin and Cora and it really brought it down yeah agreed um towards the end too which was a shame yeah 
Uh, so if I ever reread this book, I will cut that into, I will just stop reading that chapter. So yeah, I will just cut it out. Uh, that said, okay, sexiness. Oh my God. I thought consent in this book was so well handled, Lane. Like we started talking about this already, but this is the reason why I was shocked to find out that this book was written in 1990, in the 90s. One, consent is a constant thought. Like he articulates that he's desiring more than she's letting him or that she's consenting to and mm-hmm. he always stops and always reassures her when she acts scared like I'm not going to do more than you've given yeah. me permission to do well and he doesn't he, he, she doesn't have to say no he doesn't ever say oh well you didn't say no so I didn't understand she frees like she might freeze up when he and puts he, like, his arm around her. her body language he and, backs off right away yep. Just, uh, I mean, if you want to, like, honestly, if you want to read a book that does consent well, this book does consent so well. And it's little things, like, she apparently, every time she got close enough to her husband that she could feel his erection, he was, like, in her in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Not to say he was rapey and not to say she didn't enjoy it. We'll get to that in the next point. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. But she just sort of associated evidence of male desire with... I now am expected to do something. Yes. And so she gets a little freaked out by his proximity and his willingness to sort of keep kissing forever. Yeah. And I also thought it was cute. So he's a virgin, as we've discussed. And so their first time is not some, like, glorious ode to young stamina. Mm-hmm. It no. is everything you would imagine an awkward 24-year-old virgin yeah. going through. And I just liked that, like, I feel like so often... Romance novels will talk about virginity and then it won't be an inconvenience or it'll be like the end of the world. Yeah, There's yeah, yeah. Like, and in this case, like, it existed. Mm-hmm. It was realistically depicted and then it was never a topic of conversation yeah. again in a way I was like, well done. Well yeah. done, Pamela Morrissey. Exactly. Just so well done. I, I just loved their the, the, the development of their physical relationship. Yes. Just Even though... Really well this book was not as explicit as I wish it were. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lane and I, we're, we're always down for some porn. And, and it, it really didn't... It, it wasn't super descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't... Th- like, the two characters had a lot of chemistry. Yes. Which was great, but when it actually came to the getting it on parts I felt like if it wasn't like directly immediately talking about their emotional responses it wasn't super well described yeah Yeah. so one final thing about the consent is also something I loved about I I think this is Pamela Morsi that I liked this about is that basically Cora has a she basically has agreed to have sort of kept a mistress type relationship. So she has basically said, yes, I will sleep with you in return for your services. You know, when I say you're, you know, like um, doing stuff around the house and things like that. Like she, she basically says, look, I I will, if you court me and, and do these things for me. Right. And so they're in this relationship, but she's never expected to provide those sexual services. And in fact, one of the things I love the most is by the time she does agree that they're gonna have sex, he's sort of stopped doing a lot of that stuff for her. Mm-hmm. And they don't hook up the second she consents. Mm-hmm. She says, like, I've decided that this is gonna happen. And his response is basically like, cool, I gotta process that. Yeah. Gotta this take is, some time to think about it. He was it. like, this is not the time or the place. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh. I mean, interesting choice for them not to jump each other, but also in keeping with the characters and the tone of the book. So, just look, All right. Their, their 
their relationship and their physical relationship is, I, I would say, the highlight of this book. It is. It's just not porny enough. No. it's. I mean, it's not, but... I love the way consent is handled. And can we talk about the fact that she likes sex with yes. her ex-husband? Oh my God, yes. I just loved it. So she's not the virgin whore dichotomy here. No. Right? She has had sex with her husband. Oh yeah. Also, can I tell you, I'm so glad she was not a virgin divorcee. Yeah, no, I know. Because how many times have I read a book where she's a widow and yet she hasn't had sex? Well, and I'm usually really pissed off when somebody has been a widow or a divorcee for 10 fucking years and not slept with anyone else. But it was so well explained mm-hmm. in this plot that mm-hmm. it didn't piss me off. Mm-hmm. It all made sense. It did. And then, yeah, so she, she actually had sex with her husband and she actually enjoyed having sex with her husband. He wasn't a selfish level, lover, nope. as she articulates it. He just had a giant secret that he lied to her about that yeah. was marriage ending. Yup. Which we're, we won't give away, actually. Let's, let's be spoiler free. We'll do that. Once. But no, and it's the fact that she's got this big secret that ended her marriage is started discussing. Like, they start discussing it on page one. Like, yeah. there's a big secret. She there's ended big her secret. marriage. She ended her marriage. No one really knows the real reason why except for her. Yep. And, and him. And him. And his mother-in-law. No, oh, his mother, her oh, mother-in-law. Oh, sorry. Yeah, his mother, her mother-in-law. She yeah. doesn't have a mom. She's an orphan. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She, they're dead. <laughs> Was she an orphan? She was an orphan. Okay. There are a lot of interesting side characters in town, too. Mm-hmm. I liked Tulsa May. Yes. And so there's this, like, young girl daughter of the Reverend who appears throughout the book in various contexts, and she's a fun character, but I loved... I'm going to spoil this. It's super, super minor. Yeah. The epilogue is an article from the town paper. Mm-hmm. And it's written by TM, mm-hmm. Tulsa May. Yeah. And so, like, if you were paying close enough attention, it's cool that this, like precocious teenage girl character you find out through like you have to be paying attention to catch yeah. it is a reporter at yeah. the end of the book I, I really liked the epilogue too like I really I did liked too. it I, I thought, thought it was so well done, done epilogue yeah really and good this is another thing so there is no children drama in this beyond like he feels pressure to get married and have kids and she is sad that as a divorcee she doesn't have a family yeah and like he's an only child she's an orphan like clearly they both wanted families this epilogue does not do the like, and this was their big brood and happily ever. It's not about that. Yes. The book is about their love story and the town. Yeah. The epilogue is about the town with allusions to their love story. Yes. It is not to say they don't have kids or that you don't, but like, it's not this shitty Harry Potter epilogue oh, with yes. all the characters paired off with their yes. kids' dumbass names. Yes. I am still not over Albus Severus and I never will be. <laughs> Oh, I guess it just didn't matter enough to me. I was like, eh, whatever. It was a definite romance novel epilogue, Harry, the Harry Potter. Oh my god, yeah, I hated it so much. I've never reread it to this day. The epilogue, you're just like, okay, I'm done with the book. Yep. <laughs> okay, so here was my fine. Here was my final point on sexiness. As I said, on the other hand, long underwear is not sexy no matter <gasps> who's wearing it. And if your name is Jedwin and you're wearing long underwear under your overalls, it makes it super not sexy. This is the clothes do make it the man. Yes. Sometimes. Like, the fact that he wore overalls, I just couldn't imagine a, a sexy, I just cannot imagine a sexy man. He, I can imagine a sexy man wearing overalls, but then he becomes not sexy. Right, because overalls are not flattering. No, they're not. They make everyone look like they have kind of a paunch. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're a one-piece clothing with weight in the front. Yeah, and like even if you are shirtless under this, and no. he was not, he had long underwear on under this freaking... No. Anyway, 
regardless so yeah i had some issues with their clothes as well i will say this uh, you know overalls came back recently in like a romper uh, yeah. shorts i did not I buy know. a pair i don't own any oh uh -uh, no 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 wrong no sorry ma'am correct no i no me neither okay so for those of you who own overalls we're sorry that we, we apologize offended half of our we think you're not sexy <laughs> i mean you might be the sexiest person in the world but probably not when you're wearing those overalls and like dressing doesn't have to be to make you sexy no so you, if you're wearing your right. overalls because like you feel like they're fashion or whatever you do you girl or if like the or man the thing you is do you. like jedwin he probably did have to wear those overalls he was out there like fixing her pipes and stuff it's just not that hard to write pants instead like i, I would know. not have been worried about the historical anachronism of not wearing overalls i know i know but other than that <laughs> <laughs> other than that i thought it was pretty sexy and i loved the way consent was handled a plus consent i would i would just say to reiterate what we were talking about earlier this is not just a light fluffy book no it's not there's a lot of character development outside of the romance mm -hmm. to the point that i'd say it crosses the line between romance novel and historical fiction i agree yeah and so what are you in the mood for yeah. Like, if that's what you're looking for right now, totally recommended. Yeah. I, I Personally, this book started me off on a Pamela Morsi kick, like I said. And I, I'm now a big Morsi fan. Really like her. So. so, as always, thank you so much for listening. We love doing this podcast. So, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would help us out. Thanks so much. <laughs>